In New Jersey, we found some key Democratic Welcome to this week's episode of Jersey Matters. I'm your host, Mike Prino. And I'm Casey McLean. And this week, we're going to be giving you another coronavirus update. Then we'll take you to Murphy's Corner. Where we'll go over his executive orders, interviews, feuds with Trump, and pretty much anything else that he's been doing in the past few days. Then we're going to be talking about an air show. Were you happy to see it? What, what did we think about it? We'll let you know. Then uh, after that, we're going to talk about the NJ Community College Job Consortium. And then Point Pleasant mayors trying to reopen the beach. What does this mean? We'll let you know. And poison control. Were you one of the people that called it? We'll, we'll, uh, we'll talk did about what that might yourself? mean about you. <laughs> Next, after the headlines, I'm going to give a New Jersey obscure trivia quiz. And Katie's going to tell us why we don't pump, pump our own gas in New Jersey. So, yeah, no. Not without its own conspiracy theories. Just like everything. In New Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I'll give you total numbers. In New Jersey today, currently, as of March... Uh, second, because we don't have today's numbers yet, which is March 3rd, 124,000 cases uh, with a total of 7,742 deaths. There were 2,527 new cases on May 2nd alone. And it does, based off this graph, look like it's kind of trending downward in terms of new infections, but the deaths do seem to be staying the same or actually slightly going up too. So not really sure what this all means. Overall, stay inside. Stay inside. Yeah, stay inside. Stay inside. Social <laughs> distance. <laughs> that part. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, spoiler alert. Change. Don't go to the air show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a little late now, but if they're doing it again, don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and as we'll talk about later, uh, the weather is really nice now. Uh, don't be stupid. So let's go to Murphy's Corner before we. Yeah. Go Murphy's He's, Corner sound effect. Uh, Murphy's Corner. What is he doing? He's doing his less publicized in comparison to uh my my love interest right now besides my husband uh governor cuomo <laughs> murphy's not getting as much love as cuomo but he is doing daily briefings i believe right yeah yeah he's still doing them yeah he's still doing them still um, really dumb questions sometimes sometimes they're really good ones you know so Governor Murphy signed Executive Order 132, allowing electronic petition submission and signature collection for initiatives and referenda. I don't know if it's referendum. Re refer referenda is the plural. Referendum. Oh. <laughs> Keep that in. I'm stupid. Um, <laughs> that was signed on the 29th. <laughs> same, same day, Executive Order 133. Governor Murphy signs executive order reopening state parks and golf courses. We'll talk about this a little bit later. And then the following day on the 30th, Governor Murphy, executive order 134, directs U.S. and New Jersey flags to fly at half-staff in honor of former First Lady Debbie Keene, which I thought they were already flying yeah, I was half-staff. Wait, 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 I thought that, sorry, are they at quarter-staff now? Uh, <laughs> the one, like, across from my apartment has does look pretty, like, lower than normal, so... Is it is it quarters? I don't know. I, I don't see it from here, but not, uh, not I like actually because I remember we went over. Uh, they were indefinitely at half staff until like yeah. the park was over. So not to knock former first lady Debbie Keene, but it is of concern about how low the flags may be today. I'm uh, I'm gonna let this one slide. 
because I bet Murphy was just tired and got into the like, oh, someone important died. Let's pass the executive uh, decree, the executive order that you know that fly the flags half staff and probably the you know the intern was like, I'm not going to mention they've been flying at half staff for like yeah. a while now. <laughs> Uh, moving on, Executive Order 135 signed on the 1st. Governor Murphy today signed Executive Order number 135 suspending in-person requirements for receipt of a marriage license and marriage ceremonies and for the receipt of working papers for minors. I want to know which minors are getting jobs right now. Uh- <laughs> yeah, can you imagine being a parent and be like, all right, you're 16 now. Go work at a grocery store <laughs> under a pandemic. You need to learn the value of a dollar. <laughs> Oh, wow. Um, And then the last one on the second, so that was yesterday, Executive Order 136, Governor Murphy signs Executive Order extending statutory deadlines for various environmental laws. That's kind of concerning. And this is the, I guess this is the press release. So Governor Phil Murphy signed today Executive Order Number 136, extending statutory deadlines required under environmental laws for the length of New Jersey's public health emergency. The order, which suspends timeframes for certain permit decisions and reporting, will ensure greater opportunities for public engagement while enabling the New Jersey Department of Environmental Protection, the DEP, to conduct thorough environmental reviews. So... Quote, Governor Murphy says, New Jersey's public health emergency impacts the ability of public and private sectors to meet deadlines for the issuance or denial of permits, as well as certain environmental reporting. Today's order enables the DEP to consistently conduct full and complete environmental reviews while maintaining its core mission of protecting the public health, safety, and the environment while ensuring a robust public participation process. So... It's good and bad because if we've learned anything about businesses, <laughs> they'll just be like, "Oh no, I don't have to worry about doing the thing now." I can I'm now not find. Checked. And then you know, a day before or after report, I'll just make it look good. That's yes, how I see this happening. So among the directives, Executive Order Number One Thirty Six includes following pauses or delays timeframes governing the department's provision of public notice, review, and decisions on permits and other approvals for the duration of the public health emergency, including those which would deem applications approved without conditions deemed necessary by the DEP to ensure protection of public health, safety, and the environment. Also extends deadlines for soil and fill recycling surfaces under the dirty dirt law by First of all, there's a dirty dirt law. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> By the number of days of public health emergency declared in Executive Order 103, plus an additional 60 days, then another. Uh, what, what do you have to say? <laughs> I, was, I feel like it's it's a different thing to like expedite or something or um, be more lenient in the application of laws during an emergency to like, say, mass build like hospitals or something like that. Or like you know tents, so yeah. you, you know what I'm saying because you're like oh, you're like oh you know like oh we need to like shelter all these people from hurricane like we can't just apply for an EPA permit like we need to <laughs> like here's yeah. here's like what well, we, we need to do this now so like let's let's do that like I understand that but like I don't, I don't know this I mean, I, Jersey, I'm gonna look more into it and maybe do a whole segment on what this yeah affects, but because New yeah. Jersey notoriously has poor 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 regulation of environmental you know infractions there's tons of like illegal dumping we did i think on the first episode we did a whole thing on um, water quality issues in new jersey yep. and yeah check that I, one out it's really good 
a few weeks ago, we talked about the executive, not the executive order, but there was a headline of like some counties were ending recycling pickups. So you have all these things that are happening and it's a going to be a compound issue of, yeah, this order is saying, well, you know, it helps us, you know, the public be able to participate and gives people time to, you know, make their filing deadlines, all that kind of stuff. What about the people who are trashing the environment? It's concerning. But finishing up, this also extends the July 1st, 2020 deadline for governing body of each municipality submit its yearly recycling tonnage report by DEP by 60 days. Again, like I just said, some parts of the state have completely ended their recycling pickup. So it's going to not look like there's as much recycling picked up if people were told just throw it in the trash, as I was told, um, and I have been doing so. Um, extends the August 1st, 2020 deadline for recyclers, manufacturers, collection locations, and local government units to collect electronic devices to submit their semi-annual report to DEP by 60 days. And lastly, directs DEP to identify where public comment periods must be extended to ensure adequate public participation. That's the last one. So it'll be interesting to see how the DEP is going to, you know, pose any kind of questions and get any kind of commentary from New Jersey residents, because that would be my first concern as a citizen of New Jersey is that, well, in the next time we have a natural disaster like this or man-made, you know, depending on what kind of conspiracy you believe in now, I just wish that in the future, if this kind of thing happens ever again, that we make sure not to end recycling services because it's bad for the environment and also takes those jobs away from those people that collect it and sort it and process it. So yeah, that's the last executive order. And that was concerning. And I'm glad I looked into it as you should too, listeners. (laughs) (laughs) That's a little weird executive order. (laughs) Yeah. So I'll go into this article that I found on the Atlantic. Kind of wanted to review this article a little deeply. Basically, it's titled How New Jersey's Governor Figured Out Trump. And uh, <laughs> The Atlantic interviewed Phil Murphy. And they are, it's it's what you kind of expect. They don't actually answer how New Jersey's governor figured out Trump. Not that it was a question. What, is, but like, what does that even mean? Exactly. So, like, that's the first, right off the bat, got that clickbait title where you're like, oh, like, is he, is it go into his, like, strategy of how he manages to, like, help get aid for New Jersey and stuff like that. No, there's no interesting questions actually answered. Um, the <laughs> Just first, more questions. Yep. The first paragraph it, it does the absolute thing I, I hate the most in news article writings. I, I don't even know the word for it, it uh, but it goes like, Phil Murphy's cell phone rang and rang. He ignored the first two calls. That's then editorializing. It, it, editorial, I hate. Okay, that's called, yeah, yeah. Then an aide told the New Jersey governor that the caller had tried to reach him through his family. It was President Donald Trump. Murphy had to take it. Yeah, he had to take the. He had to answer the president's phone call. Like, Could you nothing... imagine though? Could you imagine being like for Murphy's wife and getting the phone call from Trump? Like, hey, yeah, hey, uh... Bill, there. <laughs> this is Donald. Yeah, it'd be crazy. So yeah, you know, imagine... then it goes on. It basically talks about how Americans are watching on TV Andrew Cuomo's daily group therapy sessions and uh yeah they called it group therapy they literally call it that yeah and you know all this crap and then it says uh you know guitar's going into how new jersey has the second highest COVID 19 death toll in the united states and murphy pointed out that the virus has killed more people from the state than were lost in world war one two korean war vietnam war both gulf wars afghan war iraq war superstorm sandy and september 11th attacks combined and um then it has like this weird uh sentence 
But despite being a liberal Democrat who has for years railed against Trump, Murphy has kept both a lower profile and a better relationship with the White House than his neighbor in Albany has. Okay? There's a number of things. If we were to unpack that, we'd be yeah. here for another hour. <laughs> exactly. Like, I don't. I mean, he's my governor, but I don't exactly remember him being liberal. like railing against Trump and being like an ultra progressive Democrat. Yeah. Like a liberal Democrat. Like. Ew. ew. <laughs> um. So it, it has another paragraph of absolute nonsense fluff, basically about how he made money from Goldman Sachs cell phone to fund his campaign in 2017. And uh, he got a tumor removed from his kidney. We talked about that. And that's about it. And um, I don't know why he talks about that, because it says he's a former finance chair of the Democratic National Committee and is feeling stressed about bringing people together for a delayed convention in August or possibly canceling the event. Yeah, I'm sure he feels stressed about that. He's, he's also probably stressed about the state. Like, you know, like it's, it's just crap yeah. like this. I want to get into the more uh, substantive stuff. So they, um, one of the questions they asked him was, there have been protesters in New Jersey and other states demanding that the government's reopen businesses. What would you say to them and others who say it's time to reopen? And Murphy gave a pretty decent answer. It was, uh, I appreciate folks' right to protest. I appreciate the fact that they may be fed up with cabin fever, all of that. Who doesn't want to get the economy back on its feet? We've been crushed with unemployment, small businesses getting crushed completely, but we have to continue to make decisions based on the data, based on the science, based on the facts. We have to make sure we don't j jump the gun and that we don't transpose the steps. It's health recovery first, then it's economic recovery. And I thought like, that's pretty good. I would ask him, some, if I was him, I'd ask some follow-up questions like, you know, like, what is your plan? Maybe at the time of this, the six time to interview the uh, six point plan didn't come out yet. I'm not sure when it was published on May 1st, but I don't know when he did the interview. Uh, but you could ask him, like, oh, do you have, like, a plan? So the thing that uh, <laughs> that uh, Edward Isaac Dovir, I think his name, Dovering, he asks as a follow-up question is, uh, you're a Democrat who's managed to get along with the president through this. How? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, not, I'm not interested in how he, you know, it, his interpersonal relationship with the president. I'm, like, how does, I get yeah. it affects the thing but i don't need to know the inner workings of that relationship what i need to know is like is it good enough that trump who is notoriously a piece of crap and stubborn and insensitive and lacks any kind of form of empathy i just care that the relationship that's what you're supposed to do in politics it's not supposed to be partisan you know just because he's a republican asshole doesn't mean that murphy has to treat him like a Republican asshole. It means how do we work together to get what I need and what you need and move forward? Like also, if kissing his ass gets him what he needs, uh, not even that Murphy's been doing that, but if, if that's what it takes to get him <laughs> the things he needs to like actually help real people in, like, that's, that's such a little thing to do. Yeah. Right. Like, it, like there, there's nothing, you don't, you don't give anything by doing that, but like that's, that's these politics, stupid baby. journalists at like the Atlantic <laughs> and other like liberal outlets like so fundamentally don't understand how politics work, which is why they lose all the damn time that like yeah. to them, politics is just like uh, having like a prince, like a quote unquote principled stance, never veering from it instead of like yeah. making sure that like the actual decisions you take don't contradict your principles completely. That's, that's, that's a separate thing. Like they love talk about being pragmatic, but like, they're just crazy. And, and that's uh, the thing, it's though. super funny. Like just to it's even ask, like, how are you getting along with the president? 
Exactly. Like that's the- that's the thing with these these companies, these news outlets that are owned and operated by people who are, you know, super liberal or super right wing. You have these news outlets and their owners that are manipulating their reporters and expecting a certain kind of line of questioning. They want a certain kind of like clickbait article for their advertisers. But it, it's-, it's like reality TV, doesn't it? Exactly. Instead of like instead of like reading like like I, I was going to go on the next thing real quick because so they this is how Murphy answers it. I'm not going to give the full thing because it's, it's kind of long, but basically he talks about how Trump's been in has properties in New Jersey and family in New Jersey, and basically he calls up Trump. He asks he asks him how he's doing. He asks about his health issues, so he feels grateful. That, you know, he gets like that kind of the politician bull, bullshit response, and then um, he's basically like, oh, you know, we just talk about whatever the state needs or whatever. And then uh, the guy asks him, the interviewer, why do you think there's that's so different from how the president acts in the briefings? And like, <laughs> like this is what I'm talking about. Like, he's not interested in this. The way the article is, is titled, How New Jersey's Governor Figured Out Trump. You think it would be like some political thing about how he's receiving aid for his his state like maybe he's you know flattering trump a little bit maybe you'll maybe you'll learn from the interview that that, that's what's going on or maybe you'll learn like some facts about like how murphy's managing this crisis mixed with like an incompetent like president who's egotistical and like easily like can be set off on like a like a A spiteful revenge tangent yeah yeah but like no you don't get any of that kind of you just get the uh uh, the kind of you know like reality tv show understanding of politics instead of like the Stuff that you get, like, if you actually listen to us, like, yeah. <laughs> like, 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 like listen to, go, go listen to the stuff when we had uh, Colin uh, Malay on from Fieldwinds. Yeah, uh, it'll give you a decent understanding of what Murphy does. The mainstream media likes to pin people against each other. You need a good and a bad. You need a Christina, you need a Britney, a Marilyn and a Jackie. And Trump is now seen as one of the most evil, vile people in the liberal media. And they always need to pin someone against him. There's no middle ground. And everyone's waiting for that one line to come out of Cuomo's briefing. And they're hoping Murphy, because there's been a, Murphy has been pretty much, you know, not partisan and trying to, you know, steer the ship in the storm. And Cuomo every now and again will deliver a soundbite and will say, and I think it's because it's New York. I think it's because it's Cuomo and he's a lot of like a, a lot of swagger. And he's he's known for that kind of like abrasive uh, personality. Exactly. So he gives the the media their sound bites and then they could pin it to Trump and they rile Trump up and then he gets distracted and has a temper tantrum in the press briefing and the White House press briefing and storms out. And all this is just nonsense. Like, get the facts, report your information, don't have your bias show in your article and move on. It's like, kind you of don't like, need uh, this narrative. <laughs> you saw it when they were reporting about Fauci, like because uh, there was like some rumors that that Trump was getting annoyed at Fauci, and then the media went crazy and was just like every little thing analyzing team like Team Fauci, Team Fauci. But like it was almost they act like they're a neutral player. Yeah, but they're not. They could help make that be a reality where he gets fired because Trump's reading the news and constantly seeing how Fauci's undermining him. Exactly. And he might not even be like, that's the crazy thing is the second Fauci might. And that's the crazy thing about Trump is like, he will, he would, he could, he might fire Fauci if he gets even just a, in like a, an tiny inkling that he thinks the press coverage is better of Fauci and it's making him look negative every time Fauci is mentioned. Like it's, it's wild that you're creating more drama for nothing. Like what is that accomplishing? 
you're getting yeah. more clicks, your advertiser dollars, it's that's increasing. What's the point? What's that's what this article basically does. I mean, it's seriously not. I, I know there's a little disclaimer at the top that this uh, transcript has been edited and condensed for clarity. But, of course. But like, there's and, no. If this is the extent of of what the interview was and what they talked about, wow, it must be easy being a journalist at the Atlantic. You don't have to really think <laughs> at all. They ask him. Um, Later, like, oh, you know, um, should the convention happen this summer? It's like, oh, it's still too early, isn't it? Isn't it? it, it I, I guess that's okay to ask, but whatever. Then they ask him about, or before that, they ask him about, um, you know, oh, if you were in your old life at Goldman Sachs, how would you be thinking about investment right now? And Murphy's like, look, I'm not going to give people investment advice. And yeah, sorry, to talk about other stuff. But it's like, are why, you are you asking about, why are you asking him these <laughs> softball questions? Like, ask him about what's going on in New Jersey. Ask yeah. him about, I would be like, Hey, it, New Jersey, all over the news is having trouble with people filing record numbers of unemployment claims. How are you working to address that in your state? Would it, if you had money from like the federal government, would that help? Be yeah, able to also, address these things? like actual things that matter to people. Also, what? Hey, Murphy, you're you know leading this this charge against the virus and trying to keep New Jersey afloat. What programs are being you know? brought to life and brought forward to help New Jerseyans find jobs, provide for their family, keep their house, keep their pay. Like ask about things that are vital to New Jerseyans, not try to get financial advice from a former Goldman Sachs executive. Yeah. Like or, what? Say, or questions like this, like New Jersey's currently leading uh, or catching up in the, in the top for deaths. And it's the second most in COVID-19, but you've also done a lot in New Jersey for other states that are just starting to receive a COVID-19 outbreak. What would you say to their uh, governors and legislatures about what uh, measures should be put in place? Yeah. What, things like that. You, what things do you wish you put in place earlier? Yes. What things do you wish you put in place <laughs> earlier? This, this is like a, 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 such a terrible article because it's nothing. You don't yeah. learn anything. You just are like, oh, I mean, I didn't know he was a, or maybe I didn't know he was an investment banker at Goldman Sachs, but I knew he did yeah. something like that. But it was like, oh, okay, that's all I learned from that. But I didn't learn anything about what is supposed to be either how he figured Trump out or like, the subhut text being he discusses the state's efforts to mitigate its, its coronavirus infections, except for he doesn't really, because you didn't really ask him anything of interest or or depth or anything at all. It's just, uh, it's just so pathetic. Let's move on before I just start ranting forever. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> but. It's, a, it's a good segue into this article from Politico. So title is Congressman's Appearance at New Jersey's Coronavirus Briefing Upsets GOP, written by uh, Matt Friedman. And it says, New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy's decision for Monday to invite a Democratic congressman involved in a tough re-election fight to speak at his daily coronavirus briefing angered Republicans who accused the governor of mixing essential news with partisan politics. I also want to say to that, that's that's what you're doing, you know, like <laughs> yep. pointing out that the Democratic congressman saying the GOP is angry and Republicans are upset with the, like it's all just bipartisan, you know, bullshit. So the article says a spokesperson for Murphy said all members of New Jersey's federal delegation, both Republican and Democrat, have been invited to participate in the briefings. So this freshman uh, representative spoke for, his name is Tom Milanowski. He spoke for about 10 minutes during Monday's briefing in Trenton and slammed Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell for opposing what the Kentucky Republican has called, quote, blue state bailouts. And if you are someone who is partisan, and if you're over, and that's a funny thing, if I'm reading this article with a Republican lens, I'm going to feel a certain way. If I'm reading this article, the Democratic lens, I'm going to feel a certain way. But why? Why does it have to be like that? Why are you trying to pin people against one another in New Jersey? It's a purple state. 
Like, just put the facts on. People are going to vote how they're going to vote. And it's normal for any representative, Republican, independent, Democrat, whatever you are, to slam Mitch McConnell for calling out these quote-unquote blue state, state bailouts when we just reported it last week on Kentucky being very, very much a taker state versus New Jersey, which is a giver state, and needing to have a bailout, a federal bailout to keep the state afloat. You know, it shouldn't be a partisan issue. It shouldn't be. And if you're a reporter making it a partisan issue, shame on you. Like, what's the point? <laughs> yep. No, no, exactly. I saw that there's an article from Washington Examiner about how Murphy's making the case to Trump that New Jersey needs federal funding. And Murphy's trying to say that the money would not be a bailout. I think it's a, obviously a technically untrue, but it's like some kind of like, I don't know, tactical thing because bailouts have in the minds of like unearned money because we just could happen to give them all to uh, <laughs> rich people all, all the time. Yeah. So but like, I, like you yeah. have to play to exactly what the lens will be that people are going to like, you can't call it a state bailout. It's essentially more money to cover the expenses of, you know, unexpected costs, a.k.a. COVID. Like, yeah, exactly. It's not to like, you know, pave New Jersey roads and fix all the broken systems that we have. It's to help the healthcare workers to help people who have, you know, severe damage to their to their bodies from having this virus. You know, it's to offset business impacts, small business, big business, everything. It's supposed to offset those costs of COVID, not, you know, help New Jersey in a different way. Exactly. Oh, boy. So I think that's the perfect transition to uh, the air show. (laughs) Yeah. End of Murphy's Corner and into the nightmare that is the (sighs) air show. So do you want to tell people what that was? (laughs) I don't think I can manage to say it without like getting us banned on iTunes. So for those of you who don't know, there was an air show. I think it was this past weekend yeah. to honor healthcare workers, you know, first responders, <laughs> everyone that is on the front lines of COVID-19. And, you know, they, it was the blue, I think the blue angels. Yeah. I think that's what they're called. The blue angels. Let me make sure. Oh, they keep having air shows. Ooh. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't just the one. It doesn't look like it was just the one. Um, there's so, an air show coming over Baton Rouge soon. Battle so Creek. Basically, all Los Angeles is going to do one. It was the most oh. American thing possible. It was a commemorative, like, Air Force done air show where, like, military fighter jets fly across the country. Sometimes with colors. These, with colors and all these different, you know, of course, red, white, and blue. With all these yeah. different, like patterns uh, they do they yeah, tricks to, to like make people like a morale feel boost. good i don't know about the coronavirus situation and to like celebrate America. the workers on the front line but all this it's dumb it's it's <laughs> led to people gathering in mass quantities and there you could see the horror show people were packed in new york packed in new jersey and people are just walking with their dogs having a little picnic cramming together along the the riverways just to catch a glimpse of the air show and it is the most insane practice to do because the people you are honoring can't see it you know, they are in 
the trenches with people dying left and right. They're getting infected because they don't have enough PPE for any hospital. They're reusing PPE that they do have, and they are stacking COVID and non-COVID cases right next to each other, not changing their PPE when they go from a COVID patient to a non-COVID patient. And you want to do a freaking air show and get more people infected? Uh, it's it's absolutely insane. And the other thing is, like, how I can't imagine being an essential worker right now. And then you just hear about the air show and you're just like, you're not giving me hazard pay or like any or like anything substantive or like, you know, suspending rents and utilities and mortgage payments. You're, you're just some stupid air show. It's like the complete symbol of American decadence and just waste. And there's uh, no one, there's no article saying don't go to the air show. I know, they're just, they're saying it. No one's saying anything like that's dangerous. Don't do it. Don't go outside. Or I've, no. that's what I've seen it. Uh, <laughs> an article was talking about it. It was like, Americans should make sure they stay away from each other. It's like, you know, they're not going to. Yes. Like, like, you know, they're not, we're not going to. Like, like, just tell people don't go to it. Like, it's a bad idea. Yeah. I, I got the same feeling from that air show that I got from uh, this week. I received a letter from the uh, Treasury and I was uh -oh. thought, I thought, oh, wow. More, more Trump like, bucks. Yeah. I was like, more Trump bucks. Maybe they screwed up and I'm going to get twice <laughs> as much. Or maybe they did something I didn't notice and I'm going to get more money. And I open it up and it's a letter from Trump telling me about like basically how great he is to have sent direct and fast economic assistance to me. But it, the letter was mailed like two weeks after I received the, the payment. So I guess <laughs> <laughs> it notified me about something that already happened. So it was just like completely uh, a waste like, of paper and felt like it's a pat, pat on the back for the person doing it, not for like the person who received it, you know, like the air show. Yeah. Moving on. So related to the shows is that uh, New Jersey golf courses and state parks are, have been open since May 2nd now. They reopened them. Yes. And uh, we were saying a few weeks ago, maybe longer now, that uh, I, I think we both were saying we were worried about when the weather gets nice, like what's going to happen. And I've been seeing pictures of people in New York and elsewhere now that the weather is starting to get good on the uh, Northeast Coast, just like congregating on mass in like parks and like i'm honestly scared that's gonna be happening in new jersey and to it, the jersey it's, shore it's definitely gonna keep happening as long as there are air shows yeah <laughs> if you give people a reason if you give them an attractive nuisance is the term now an attractive nuisance to go to and you know get packs of hundreds of people yes they will go to it but if there's a person who wants to go for a jog through the park and safely social distance, great. If you want to like tie up your dog and isolate yourself by a tree in the park, great. Don't gather in hordes of people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also think about it. Like um, I've seen people like see other people's dogs and just start petting them. Yes. And it's like, do you understand coronavirus can get on dogs, right? Coronavirus like, can get on like, dogs. Like, even if I, I'm pretty sure I read that the dogs can get infected, but even dogs if dogs can get, can't infected. get infected, the coronavirus could be on their fur. Like, yeah. like, just think about it. Like, like, oh man, dogs I don't even and know cats. Just think about it, please, people. Yeah, dogs and cats have been tested positive. There was a cat in Wuhan that died from coronavirus. There, I think there was the first British dog, I think, died from COVID. Um, I like how we have like a yeah, <laughs> like a thing like okay, so Chinese dogs and cats can die from coronavirus, but can British dogs? <laughs> you know, it's like, why would 
What? <laughs> it's also, I think it's, it could be the different strains of COVID now. They've said that there's one that is particularly deadly and awful for children. And it's specifically, it's a strain specifically for like kids. Don't quote me on that. I'm not a doctor. That was just an article I saw in passing and I don't have kids. So I just said, that sucks. And I moved on. Um, I do like have a dog. People, so. <laughs> we just, just read the uh, headline. We're like, whatever, man. <laughs> just more it. news. I'm currently, when I, I brief myself on what's happening for our episode, but most days I do a COVID check-in with Cuomo, my boyfriend. And then I am sorry, Murphy, I should be watching yours too, but uh, I report on you. So I look at Cuomo, report on Murphy. Who do I love more? Who knows? But instead, I've been rewatching old reality TV shows, like from season one onward. So my life right now, I don't, I don't know what's happening really around me. I'm in a different year, you know. <laughs> it, it got too depressing for me to watch uh, Murphy's uh, press things every day, so I just catch like the uh, Twitter highlights. Murphy's not there to make you feel good. He's no, I know he's not. He's he's really not. I appreciate that and I like that. I just can't do it every day. So. <laughs> Moving on, do uh, you want to talk about the NJ Community College Job Consortium? What that I is? do. So this is an article from NorthJersey.com. Headline is, it's now easier for employers to connect with New Jersey Community College students looking for jobs. So this is written by David Zimmer. And it says that 10 state community colleges have joined a new consortium to um, make it easier for employers to connect with job-seeking students and alumni. So the New Jersey Community College's Jobs Consortium allows state employers to post listings to forums for all 10 inaugural member schools, easing their access to job-ready community college talent, said Bergen Community College career and academic counselor, Jean Cauldron. So the free service permits unlimited posts to any or all participating schools, which represent more than half of the state's community colleges. By streamlining this process of posting job listings to college career services forums by region or statewide, the consortium should boost employment opportunities for college, uh, for community college students, said Tom Moore, the career specialist at Passaic County Community College. Moore said that Geographically, the state is long and narrow. To a certain degree, employers tend to post based on their proximity to the nearest community colleges, which can limit the audience. So it's it's a good thing for college students, and I think alumni could also use it to search for jobs in their area. And it's the kind of information you would want to know, not uh, how does Murphy handle his relationship with Trump kind of news. But it's something that it's good for New Jersey. And, you know, our unemployment numbers are horrific right now. So it's good to know that there are some resources that are being made and being put out there for people to find jobs. I agree. Yeah, that was some good news. For once. Um, so should we talk about, you had something about the Point Pleasant mayor <laughs> trying to reopen the beaches to... Uh... Yes. So this is an article from thepatch.com. So Point Pleasant beach mayor suggests possible beach reopen plan. So this is an article by Tom Davis, and it says that Point Pleasant Beach's mayor suggested a possible beach reopening plan by Memorial Day if New Jersey as a whole takes steps to reopen. Mayor Paul Kanitra uh, offered, always with the pronunciations on the show, um, we need to get an intern to <laughs> do the <laughs> how to I'll just call up everybody and ask how do you pronounce your name. 
Yeah, so this mayor offered possible plans to allow the public back to the beach, the parks, and the Manasquan Inlet and the downtown stores if New Jersey takes similar steps to reopen before Memorial Day. He's saying that the community is looking at even taking steps to promote social distancing at the beaches if Point Pleasant Beach is able to take any steps toward reopening. He suggested that wearing masks could be one possible requirement. Um, Who wants that tan line on their face? Right. <laughs> like, what kind of post-apocalyptic beach so, scene are you trying to do? Of, like, a beach uh, town. I don't understand why he's talking about it. No. Like, you're a Point Pleasant he's, mayor. You have to wait for what the governor asks and uh, you know demands anyway. So, like, why even talk about it? The patch probably I pontif- pontificate. The patch probably went to every single beach mayor and was like, are you thinking about reopening? Are you thinking about re-? And he went down the line. And then finally, this guy took a, took the bait and was like, you know what? I think we will. I think we... <laughs> it's like, based I- off what, man? Yeah, like, like, you can't... All that indicates to me is that he's not going to have the cops in his town enforce this stuff. Exactly. I mean, it's a speculation, but like, come on, man, like... He is speculating a lot. So this article says, um, here is what Point Pleasant Beach may do. So obviously there are being like a, a microphone for this mayor. So he said that Point, <laughs> Point Pleasant Beach will start looking at opening its parks minus the playground equipment, as well as the Manasquan Inlet starting on May 1st. So you will start looking at opening on May 1st? Like, shouldn't you just be looking in general and not start on May 1st? Like, why even make I that hate, I hate I hate that uh, <laughs> politicians always speak like that. Like we're gonna start looking into this thing. Wait, what do you what do you mean you? What do you mean? You're just not thinking about it now, or you're <laughs> or you're only starting your thinking to-do about list. when you're gonna start thinking about it. Like it's it's yeah. like this constant. It's a lawyer way of talking. Ben. Yeah. So he says, if the inlet is reopened, it would be done with reduced capacity, one space between vehicles. That's not. Is that six feet? And he says, with people staying in their cars is the goal. You're going to drive to the beach to, to sit in your car and just melt in the heat? <laughs> that sounds awful. Like, like It's it's the inlet. So I think it's, uh, I'm not familiar with Point Pleasant, but maybe it's like a place for restaurants. I don't know. I should look it up. I'm not going to do it, but whatever. And then also Governor Murphy stay at home. If the Governor Murphy stay at home order sunsets on may 15th he's already said that's not happening so why even write that yeah, uh, yeah. he also said he's like <laughs> gonna because it's the same thing with graduation uh, everyone keeps still asking are they gonna be open so if i kick and graduate and he's like oh, we'll look into it like he's just yeah he's not he I, I, to my, in my belief he's not actually looking into reopening on the 15th he, he, he's just saying it because he's tired of getting asked the question yeah so if governor murphy's stay-at-home order sunsets on may 15th which it's not the mayor says he'd like to reopen retail businesses with reduced capacity, with all parties required to wear masks. Okay, I would like yeah, to be a too. millionaire by Tuesday. Uh, I, I would love happen? for everything to be okay, except <laughs> for you have to wear a mask. And then uh, even better, I would love for everything to be okay. But like, what's act, what a waste yeah. of an article. Like, what a, just a when, waste. When Point Pleasant Beach has the resources, okay, hopefully by Memorial Day, why even make that point? He says that he'd like to reopen the Maryland Avenue beach to residents and taxpayers first to quote, test it all will work. What? How can you experiment, prove- experiment with your own population? 
How can you prove number one, like that you're a resident? Are you going to have people bring up their like their leases and their drivers like and the taxpayer specifically? Like, how are also, you? Also, do you have a program in place where you're going to like contact trace everybody that goes onto the beach and then follow up with them to find out uh, whether or not like they've contracted uh, the coronavirus uh, afterward? No, you're not. Like, don't no. lie. And yeah, he, don't lie. Don't make shit up. He says if the town does that. He'd like to see if social distancing can be properly enforced. He also said if it works, the town could allow out-of-towners to return within the weeks following Memorial Day weekend. He says he's talking with other mayors up and down the barrier island. And he says that a lack of class one and class two officers is huge. So the availability will drive our beach moves. It's just so wild. And he's... The they're pointing out the number of cases. So Point Pleasant Borough had 147 cases as of Monday. And according to Ocean County Health Department, each town has had fewer than five deaths. So you had Point Pleasant Borough and Point Pleasant Beach there. So um, it's a good thing to reopen the beach there so that people from places with higher infections go there and infects Point Pleasant. Is that what the mayor's <laughs> thinking? Or is he I'm sorry, he didn't start to think about it yet, right? He's highly speculative about just thinking about reopening, but he wants people to know that he's thinking about it. Like he's really, really thinking about it hard. And to be fair, there aren't a lot of cases in his town. So yeah, I get it. You want to reopen-ish because, I mean, anyone that's lived in a short town or been there in the off season, it's basically a dead zone. But if you open, they will come. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I just think it's uh I think it's a little irresponsible to for people in positions of power to like just like pontificate openly about these things like they should be a little more reserved and not that they shouldn't be open that they're thinking about it but like be a little more careful be like you know we have concerns about people coming in and and infecting it not just be like oh we want to we want to test it out first like and also like the journalist could be like what do you what do you mean about that Exactly you can push <laughs> like, back on thing. that yeah, push back. Like, what What do you mean, test out this? That doesn't make any sense. And why but. are you, the mayor of Point Pleasant, in any position to say that you will be testing it? You know what I mean? He's not cons- He's not citing any kind of scientific research or any kind of consulting he's done with anyone in the medical field. All, he just th- is thinking about, it's a short town. That's where they make their money in the summer. And he's going to have a hard time being reelected if he doesn't try to reopen or even just say he's thinking about reopening. Like that's the bottom line is he wants to get reelected. He doesn't care about people dying because he wants to be reelected. <laughs> I have a, this is where America's going to fail. I'm afraid it's, it's, we don't understand the concept of, of like delayed gratification or like short-term pain for long-term gain. Like if we had just locked down earlier and yes. suffered through that in the beginning and did robust contact tracing and quarantining, then we wouldn't be having to make the really extreme difficult choices that we have now of like mass unemployment and all that other stuff or rising infections and deaths. Like, the longer we keep putting off these kinds of questions, like the worse the outcome on both sides are going to be. And we have no one to blame but ourselves. ourselves. And I don't I don't necessarily mean most people listening because we're like basically powerless. But like you could I, I don't know. Actually, maybe I do like put a little more pressure on 
you know, on, on your politicians. Like, come yeah. on, like if you're gonna go out there and protest and risk your life, but do it for like so we get like money from the government or like you know uh, uh, an actual like more tests and contact tracing, not like so you can send your employees to the store. I mean, so to work at your store while you sit at home. That's yeah. anyway. Well, that's about it on that topic. We do have one last point. Yeah. Um, on a lighter note. <laughs> on a lighter note. There has been an increase in calls to poison control in New Jersey. Why is that? (laughs) According to the Asbury Park Press, quote, the headline is, uh, coronavirus New Jersey, calls to poison control are up, but not because of Trump. Good old Suzanne Cervenick. Um, Sorry, lady, I mispronounced your name, but you should... You need to, <laughs> we need an intern, but also these editors of these outlets really need to stop doing this clickbait. You know what I mean? Like what's the, it even kind of rhymed, you know, poison control are up, but not because of Trump, you know, yeah, so like, come on. I don't know if that's a rhyme, but like why, uh, um, <laughs> so like, what was the reason? So calls to New Jersey poison control center have doubled since coronavirus outbreak hit New Jersey nearly two months ago, but it's not because of President Donald Trump. Rather, more people are <laughs> more aggressively cleaning to ward off COVID-19, opening them up to more potential exposure to chemicals, experts say. Rutgers University, New Jersey Medical School, has seen calls roughly double since the beginning of March, says Dr. Diane Cayo, the center's executive and medical director. So... They would typically, the center would have typically five to 10 calls a day. So now the volume has persistently stayed in the 10 to 20 range, which isn't a lot of calls, might I add, but it's it's troubling that people are <laughs> worried about poisoning themselves. And it's noted that Trump has been, you know, suggesting people ingest or inject certain kinds of chemicals that are deadly. And we've seen a few people in America die because of it. He's also said that people should... <laughs> start researching ultraviolet light exposure to to kill the virus. None of this has been medically tested and proven. It's just things he's put out there so that he can say if it is proven, he could say he said it first is what he's doing. I have a comment on that. So like, it's, if you watch the clip of when he's talking about that, it's so funny because he kind of just like, (laughs) as you did this like stream of conscious, like asks the question, like, and like UV light, they say UV light. Uh, kills coronavirus outside the body. Is that right? Yeah. Then uh, so does that mean if you could put corona uh, the UV light inside the body some way somehow it'll <laughs> slice open it'll your destroy wrist the, <laughs> destroy the coronavirus inside? Have we tried that out? We're looking into it. What about disinfectant? They say disinfectant can do. It. And he like does that. And you're like you know if you were thinking like oh you know uh, someone between the ages of like six and ten if you heard a little kid say this. You'd be like, oh wow, look, he like is is really thinking it through because you know it makes sense. If you're a little kid, you're looking at the world, you're like, okay, well, you can just put disinfectant on like a table. Why can't you just put that in inside your body to get rid of the coronavirus? And you'd be like, oh, that's cute, you know, a little kid trying to figure out problems. Um, yeah. But this is like a an adult, an adult man president. who's the president. Of the yeah, and, and it's not cute because you're like, he has the nuclear codes. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> That's not how the human body works, man. Like, also, you can't just flush it with uh, uh, disinfectant and UV light. I would like him to suggest uh, eating vegetables and, you know, That's certain a number of water, glasses of water, you know, recommend that. Maybe some daily exercise. 
things that won't kill you. You know what I mean? That might actually make your life better. So that when people do it, because he said it and suggested it, oh, they're going to, you know, lose a couple pounds. Oh, they're going to, you know, get some sunlight. You know, they might make a, a social distance friend in their neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. So he always uh, uh, suggests like stuff that basically kills people or like doesn't work like the uh, hydroxy- hydroxychloroquine. Now there's a huge conspiracy theory on the internet that uh, the news media and like sci- the world scientists are covering up how effective it is just to undermine Trump. Um, <laughs> not that like Trump was just, you know, he's not a medical expert, so he just got it wrong. And also like at the his, time, his there, at the time said that, there, there were some mixed studies. It was like, we're not sure yet. We don't have it fully researched. Now it's like, it doesn't work that great. Yeah, his grand, what was it? His grandfather is like brain scientist or something like that. I forget what he says. His grandfather had a very large brain that he inherited and made him a medical expert. He's a natural. <laughs> okay, moving on, Mike, you have a little trivia prepared. Yes. Yeah, so I was thinking, what do I want to talk about this week? And I couldn't settle on any topic. So I was like, let's just settle on some of the weirdest trivia I could find. Some of it mundane, some of it weird, some of it obscure. So are you ready to take a quiz? I am ready. All right. So question number one, which town or city in New Jersey has the most retail shopping going on? Like currently? Yes. Well, in general. Sorry, this would be like 2019. I'm going to say like... In general, which, which, yeah. I'm going to say Atlantic City. No, it's, it's Paramus. Paramus oh. is home to four major malls and a slew of other retailers that line the bustling highway routes of 4 and 17 that bisect the town. More than 6 billion in retail sales happen in Paramus each year. That's incredible. I was thinking the outlets in Atlantic City. Yeah, I would think something like that too. And yeah. plus I figured like, you know, with the tourism there, it would just exactly. get more, but apparently not. Interesting. So next question. Which state has a higher percentage of urban residents? A, New York, B, Florida, C, New Jersey, or D, it's Delaware? New Jersey. It's New Jersey. New Jersey. <laughs> it is New Jersey. New Jersey's uh, virtually tied with California and having 95% of its residents living in urban areas. That's I, think that's, I think that's because we're so densely populated. and That's exactly just, what it is. We're also... Know, like, Another, like, it's a sub fun fact for that one. We're the only state in the union whose state's counties, every single one of them can be classified as having a metropolis in it. So, like, it doesn't, so it's all, they're all considered, uh, every single county has one at least, and not every state has that. That's how densely packed New Jersey is. All right. True or false? New Jersey's motto is the Garden State. False. That's that's right. False. The motto is liberty and prosperity. Garden yeah. State's nickname. Good job. Yeah. All right. I, that was definitely on the gram once. Yeah, I know. Actually, that's where I got it from. I was like, let me. Uh, <laughs> I was like, let me see if I can get you. See if you remember this. But here's a here's another good one. And I'll never forget. True or false? New Jersey is one of the five states that does not have a state dinosaur. Uh, that's definitely false because we do have a state dinosaur that's right so <laughs> new jersey state dinosaur is the intern, intern, intern please help us hadrosaurus folky 
It is the only species in this genus, and it is known for uh, from a single specimen consisting of much of the skeleton and parts of the skull. The specimen was collected in 1858 from the Woodbury Formation in New Jersey and uh, represents the first time a dinosaur species was known from more than isolated teeth to be identified in North America. So the states without dinosaurs are Hawaii, Minnesota, Indiana, New Hampshire, and Rhode Island. I feel like Hawaii gets a pass. They're on a volcano. Very hard to have dinosaur fossils uh you know, preserve yeah. itself with all the and it's also stuff. Hawaii is a a form of what do you call it? The, I don't want to say like a mountain chain, but it's like it moves, and so like the volcano. I don't know. I forgot what it was, but it was something like they're newly. It's a newly formed piece of land. Ex- exactly. Now, Minnesota, Indiana, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, they have no excuses. They need to find, go find the source. <laughs> they should be there. Start hunting um, dinosaurs. And it's, it's a, are there fossils of this dinosaur in the Rutgers Museum? I vaguely remember uh, seeing that fun fact. I could look it up if you want me to. No, it's know. okay. We don't need to do that. All right, pass. Um, <laughs> That's for the intern. Yeah. So next question. How many signers of the Declaration of Independence were from New Jersey? Bonus points if you can name any of them. Oh, my God. Um... When you say from New Jersey, that means they were residents of New Jersey? They were um, like New Jersey's official delegates. Patterson. That's the only one I know. He didn't <laughs> or think do I it. Know. He didn't do it. <laughs> yeah, I was shocked. I thought he would be on the list. I thought he would be there. Do you have any other guesses? I would say this would be wrong. And I'm going to say it and sound stupid. No, I'm not going to say it. I'm, I already said something stupid earlier. I'm saving <laughs> okay, you can save a safe answer for later. So it's it's five. There are Abraham Clark, John Hart, Francis Hopkins, Richard Stockton, and John Witherspoon. I'm gonna Stockton! How, yeah, yeah. how did Stockton get on it? But I'll, t- I'll tell you about that. Okay. Yeah, I don't know what uh, uh, Patterson was doing. I figured he would have landed on that list, but um, I guess not. So, Maybe Stockton was like low-key shade. He's like, that's my student. I'm not signing alongside him. Probably, yeah. I'm going to say that's what happened with no historical basis for that okay. answer. Um, that's how we do it on this podcast. Exactly. Mix of truth and complete bullshit. And so Abraham Clark was a land surveyor, and then he later practiced as an attorney. And in this role is said to have been at quite popular, actually, because of his habit of serving poor farmers in the community in cases dealing with title disputes. In succeeding years, he served as the clerk of the Provincial Assembly. He was a high sheriff of Essex, which was which is now divided to Essex and Union. And uh, he elected to the it was elected to the Provincial Congress in 1775, which he then represented New Jersey at the Second Continental Congress in 1776, where he signed the Declaration of Independence. He served in the Congress through the Revolutionary War as a member of the Committee of Public Safety. John Hart was a New Jersey farmer. Um, we don't really know when he was born, so he just kind of appeared. And his father had moved from Connecticut to a farm near Hopewell, New Jersey. He helped to build and later inherited that very successful farm and was a leading member of his community. His first public service was as a justice of the peace. In 1761, he was elected to the New Jersey Assembly and there uh, annually re-elected until the assembly was dissolved in 1771. In 1775, he was appointed to the local committee of uh, public safety, the committee of correspondence, and a judge to the court of common pleas. So you could definitely have in the 1700s multiple offices at once. <laughs> he was elected to the newly formed Provincial Congress of New Jersey in 1776 and was sent as a delegate uh, for New Jersey to the Continental Congress that year, where he signed the Declaration of Independence. Francis Hopkins, he studied law in the office of Benjamin Chu, who was later a chief justice of Pennsylvania. 
and he continued his education in England, two years studying with the Bishop of Worcester. He was a skilled writer of music, poetry, and satire, and his notable works included A Pretty Story, A Skeptical Examination of the Relationship Between Great Britain and the Colonies, and The Battle of the Kegs, A Satiric Taunting of the British. Hopkinson claimed credit for designing the American flag, but the evidence for his claim is not clear. I thought that was a super funny uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, like, thing that he <laughs> bragged about. Hopskin was elected a delegate to the Continental Congress in 1776, where he signed the Declaration of Independence. And wow. Richard Stockton was born near Princeton on October 1st, 1730. He attended the West Nottingham Academy under Dr. Samuel Finley, then earned his degree at the College of New Jersey, which is now Princeton. In 1748, he studied law with David Ogden of Newark. Stockton became an eminent lawyer with one of the largest practices in the colonies. He was not actually much concerned with politics, but applied his talents and person to the revolutionary cause when the day, day came. He was appointed to the Royal Council of New Jersey in 1765 and remained a member until the government was reformed. He was a moderate with regard to the colonial autonomy. He argued that colonies should be represented in parliament. And uh, with the passage of the Stamp Act, such arguments were, were overcome by colonial backlash. Basically, uh, he became a lot less popular uh, for sticking to that stance. In 1774, he was appointed justice of the Supreme Court in New Jersey. In 1776, New Jersey delegates to the Congress were holding out against uh, independence. When news of this reached the constituents, New Jersey elected Richard Stockton and Dr. Witherspoon to replace two of the five New Jersey delegates. They were sent with instructions to vote for independence. And that's the story of how he did that. Um, and then the last one is Witherspoon. So Dr. Witherspoon enjoyed great success at the College of New Jersey. He was hired there as a like uh, skilled scholar because he was already a very famed scholar uh, in the colonies. And, what uh, a nerd. Right. So he was like, Dr. Witherspoon was a hyper nerd who frequently wrote essays on subjects of interest to the colonies. Uh, while he at first abstained from political concerns, he came to support the revolutionary cause, accepting appointment to the Committees of Correspondence and Safety in early 1776. Later that year, he was elected to the Colonial Congress in time to vote for R.H. Lee's resolution for independence. He voted in favor and shortly after voted for the Declaration of Independence. He made a no notable comment on that occasion in reply to another member who argued that the country was not yet ripe for such a declaration, that in his opinion, it was, quote, was not only ripe for the measure, but in danger of rotting for the want of it. Witherspoon was a very active member of Congress, serving for more than 100 committees through his tenure and debating frequently on the floor. I thought that was interesting. I bet I, uh, he did. I bet he debated a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, he was an, a nerd debater. Yeah, kind of like he, if, if he was around today, he would be on Reddit. So a uh, <laughs> couple more questions. Uh, true or false? New Jersey is home to more toxic waste dumps than any other state, and that's why it sometimes smells so bad. Uh, definitely true. <laughs> that is true. So the name <laughs> Superfund site comes from the legislation Congress passed in 1980, creating I'm a Superfund program. I'm smelling you, Jersey City. I'm smelling you. <laughs> exactly. At the <laughs> Environmental the Protection Agency to identify and clean up hazardous waste sites. So Superfund sites are often concentrated in highly populated areas. And since New Jersey is the most densest populated state, Jersey City, the state <laughs> has more toxic sites than any other state in the country at 114. Wow. Um, true or false? Over 500 people in New Jersey claim their boat, van, or RV as a primary residence. Uh, I'm going to say true. That is true. Yeah. So the most recent census shows there are around 750 boats, vans, and RVs that are listed as primary residences in New Jersey. While the van as home population is likely scant, many people <laughs> live on their boats in places like Liberty State Park Marina. In South Jersey, if you went to school in South Jersey, you also had to apply for your boating permit, whether or not you had a boat. And that's because 
everyone has boats, apparently. And in case you happen to be in the situation where you needed to drive a boat, you already had your license. So it was like you you did your <laughs> you did your driving permit and then you also did your boating permit in that's, school. That's it was very strange. <laughs> that's cool. All right. And then last question. True or false? Napoleon Bonaparte's penis, but not his body, made it to New Jersey. Oh my God. I'm go- it's weird enough that I have to say it's true. <laughs> yeah, it's true. So I got a story here. I'm gonna read it. All right, this is from NPR called The Twisted Journey of Napoleon's Privates. So during Napoleon Bonaparte's autopsy, his penis was removed and has since exchanged hands a number of times. It was last inherited by a Jersey woman whose father kept it in a suitcase under his bed for 30 years. When Napoleon died in exile on the island of St. Helena in 1821, his doctor surreptitiously took his penis during the autopsy and gave it to a priest who smuggled it to Corsica. That alone, I could spend hours thinking about how weird that is. But, uh... We have Why? To go. We have to, exactly. We have to go on. The priest was killed in a bizarre blood vendetta, but passed it along to his family. What okay, did so- that priest do to acquire a blood vendetta? So, um, I'm just I'm going to be quoting from Tony Per. I don't know. Perotetit. He's the author of a new book. Well, this was written in 2008. So, uh, Napoleon's Private's 2,500 Years of History Unzipped. I'm not sure about the title because he wasn't alive that long ago. Uh, anyway, so Perotet says. Uh, that the priest was killed in this bizarre blood feud, but passed it along to his family. They kept it until 1916 when a British collector got hold of it. Uh, so wait, he he was like, oh, I'm about to die. Please take take Napoleon's, take Napoleon's penis. penis. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And his family was like, don't worry, we'll, we'll take this treasured item and pass it along to our grandchildren. Uh, yeah, that's exactly what happened. So Paratet says it was put on display once in New York in 1927, and crowds turned out to see it. Quote, it was described as being like a piece of leather or a shriveled eel, he says. <laughs> Quote, the penis has, had taken on quite a mythic status, Paratet says. It was in a little leather presentation box and had been dried out in the air. It hadn't been put right. in formaldehyde, so it was rather the, the worse for wear, a bit like beef jerky. <laughs> Why would you present it in a leather box i don't know <laughs> this is the weirdest thing about her state paratet says the french government had been given the opportunity to buy what might have been the most famous sexual organ in european history france not only wouldn't purchase it the government wouldn't even admit its existence he says quote they didn't touch the penis they would have nothing to do with the penis <laughs> but a mad paratet calls quote perhaps the leading collector in the u.s of strange relics was very interested in the penis. He, interestingly, he was a urologist. Dr. Jan Latin, John Latimer possessed Abraham Lincoln's bloodstained collar and a treasure trove of items from his own idiosyncratic relationships to some of the most important historical events of the 20th century. He was an attending urologist to Nazi prisoners at the Nuremberg trials and had acquired Hermann Goering's suicide vial. He worked on the autopsy of John F. Kennedy and possessed upholstery from the president's limousine in Dallas. Latimer bought Napoleon's penis to take it out of circulation, says Paratet. Quote, he thought that fun was being poked at it, that it was an object of derision. Later, Latimer put it in a briefcase and stored it under his bed at his home in New Jersey. He refused inquiries from people who wanted to see the penis, including Paratet. But after Latimer's death, Paratet finally got the opportunity when one of Latimer's daughters showed it to him when he wasn't even expecting it. Quote, it was kind of an amazing thing to behold, he said. There it was, Napoleon's penis sitting on the cotton wool, very beautifully laid out, and it was very small, very shriveled, about an inch and a half long. It was like a little baby's finger, end quote, he says. 
What? How, like, how do you verify, like, is there DNA testing that can be done? Because I could imagine someone just being like, okay, I'm keeping the penis. I'm going to put in this piece of beef jerky the size of a baby finger and put it in this, you know? like I, I'm assuming, I assume one of two things. It's either you look at it and you're like, yeah, it's definitely an old penis. Can you carbon or- carbon date? A penis. I imagine because there's, there's right. Imagine you could carbon date the penis. I don't know. I'm. I, you could probably test it, figure out <laughs> if it has blood relation. But I assume a lot of this works on the honor system because it's like who would carry around a penis? Uh, so I don't know. I didn't really want to look up any more information after reading this article <laughs> about it. I was. I was you, okay you were. <laughs> you left some some things some gaps in the research. I was okay with the story being true, and I was afraid of uh, what I might see on the internet if it was false. So, Casey, let's talk about um, why we can't pump our own gas in New Jersey. Well, well, well. I don't know if anyone else has been to their local gas station recently. Gas is cheap. As Trump might say, it's the lowest it's ever been. Um, and it's the best gas, but there was this sign. I didn't know what to do. Cause when I pulled up to the gas station, I went to my local Wawa. There was only one other car that was parked at one of the, one of the pumps and I didn't see anyone servicing them, but I'm like, I don't see any signs saying like, there's no gas pumping here. So I'm just going to park and like hope for the best. And then I saw a sign on the pumps that said, please open your window only three inches to allow for, you know, the gas transaction. And Fortunately, I was able to get my gas, but then I was thinking, how long is this going to keep up? You know, and first of all, why? Most importantly, why do we have this practice in New Jersey? And is it going to be a safe practice moving forward um, in the times of Corona? So I did some research and there are a few things that are natural reminders that you're in New Jersey. So you have the, the, the turnpike and the Garden State tolls. You have Taylor ham or some people call it pork roll. And not pumping your own gas is a signature New Jersey thing. Yeah, so there's with, only like one other state and it's like all the way in the West Coast, isn't it? Isn't it like Oregon yes, or something like it's that? It's Oregon. And Oregon yeah. recently, and this is like cutting ahead of the story, but Oregon recently changed their law because it's a very, they have like a lot of rural areas. And so they changed their law with an amendment saying that at night, you can pump your own gas. So when the service station closes and there's no gas attendant to service your car, you can then do a self-pump. So I pulled some information from a USA Today article. It's titled, New Jersey residents don't pump gas. Coronavirus may change that if station owners have a say. So quoting from the article, a group of gas station owners believe Governor Phil Murphy should combat what they call a budding safety and financial crisis at the pumps by suspending a singular seven-decade-old Garden State tradition, the ban on drivers fueling their own vehicles. So in the past month, attendants across the state's 2,200 stations have quit in droves over fears for um, contracting the coronavirus from customers, forcing some businesses to close up shop, according to an industry trade group. Others have shuttered for a week or more after their employees have tested positive all while sales have reportedly plummeted with fewer cars on the road leading to lower demand. Murphy has remained mum on the issue, last remarking in late March that, quote, we have no plans to turn our gas stations into self-service at this time. And his office didn't respond for comment this week. So as always in New Jersey history, there is a longstanding conspiracy behind this law. This is no longer in the article. This is my 
editorial flair on the piece. Um, so before the law was enacted, self-service gas was unheard of in the country. In an attempt to increase his customer base back in the 1940s, a gas station owner named Irving Ringgold offered lower prices to customers who were willing to pump their own gas. So Irving's plot was a success and he became very, very successful. And this became an issue for his competitors. So other rival gas stations banded together and they lobbied to Congress to create a law banning self-serve. And um, as time passed, and the ban happened, that's why we have this law now. So as time passed, states across the country started to switch to self-service, but New Jersey kept the law. Some think it's a source of state identity and pride, and some think it's a sign that New Jerseyans aren't mentally capable of pumping their own gas. So, uh, is there like a middle ground where it's like you don't really think about it at all? <laughs> it's just second nature and yeah. it doesn't make you stupid. <laughs> yeah. New Jersey General Assemblyman for the 12th District. I don't know how to pronounce his name. It's Declan, D-E-C-L-A-N, O-S-C-A-L-A-N, O-S-C-A-N-L-O-N. He's a Republican, a Gemini, and now a state senator for the 13th <laughs> District. <laughs> Is he actually a Gemini or do you make it up? <laughs> he is a Gemini. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. In 2015, he introduced a bill that would lift the band. He said, quote, I'm offended that people argue New Jerseyans are mentally incapable of pumping their own gas without setting themselves on fire, he said in a press release. And it wouldn't be, you know, modern New Jersey history if New Jersey State Senate President Stephen Sweeney wasn't involved. And he ended up blocking the vote for this law um, to be lifted, this ban to be lifted. He said, <laughs> I quote, I will <laughs> oppose any attempt to rescind the law that has effectively served to the best interest of the state's motorists for decades. He said in a press statement, as long as I am Senate president, the ban on self-serve will stay in place. And he also said, we've been doing it the right way in New Jersey, and we should not change. So now you might be asking yourself, what would happen? You know, what would happen if you pumped your own gas in New Jersey? You well, just become like the other 48 states. <laughs> you suddenly become a Pennsylvanian resident, and you now have to vote in their elections. There's going to be some gerrymandering where you... <laughs> So consequences range from $50 to $250 for the first offense, and then it can't exceed $500 for any kind of subsequent offense. So if you're, and it, it was a weird law, it was like, if there's some kind of inspector, specifically an inspector that sees you serving your own gas in New Jersey, then you get fined. But I don't think normal people, like normal officers can fine you for it. It's strange. So I really, I haven't tested it. I don't know what would happen, um, <laughs> really, because there's been, I think there's been, in the past two years, there hasn't been anyone that's been charged with it, I think. Don't fact check me on that, intern. Um, <laughs> and as we said earlier, the only places in the country that have the similar law is Oregon. And I mentioned that that's only to allow people in rural areas of the state to pump their own gas in times of, you know, the stations being closed. And also Huntington, New York has the same law in place. And some countries overseas do um, have this law in place, but it's really random. So I do recommend if you're planning on traveling and you're a New Jersey resident who's used to not pumping your own gas, make sure that you check the, the customs of other countries before you rent your automobile and travel. But Mike, what do you think? Do you think 
New Jerseyans should be pumping their own gas in general? Do you think it should be you're pumping your own gas during Corona times? Do you think that would lead to a spike in New Jerseyans letting themselves on fire? You know, like. Um, <laughs> so I actually don't know if having people pump their own gas during the coronavirus times is a good idea. I think it's more dangerous. I think it's more dangerous because people, like I see how they act now. Like the, they don't think the coronavirus gets on anything somehow yeah. for some reason. So like people will just be like, well, I'm in my car, so I don't have the coronavirus. And then they'll get out like, and just touch things with their hands. Like not like they're gonna be using gloves or if they did use gloves and they will just get into the car, take the gloves off wrong. And then spread coronavirus everywhere in the car. It's gloves, so it kind of. I think having one person. I mean, I don't know this is a fact. I think it limits the transmission. Yeah. Possibilities at at the very least, but like. I agree because I think people are. If you're traveling, you are using probably your debit card. People are trying to not use cash because of that reason of transference of the germs. But it's also that you'd have an increased number of people using their credit and debit cards and touching them and then touching the machine and. It's more opportunities of contact. And I think if you isolate it, I think maybe you could do something where you could only fill up your tank at your local you know, gas station to isolate. I think those are kind of things that can be put into place, but I definitely don't think it's going to save anyone from getting corona by making people self-serve. But it's something to look at when we have our, you know, elected officials, you know, passing laws where no one's paying attention. We're paying attention. But most people, yeah. most Georgians aren't paying attention. But- the other thing is, I don't know if, like, so so this separate question is, like, what should be done during coronavirus times versus, like, should we in general pump our own gas? Well, it works for the rest of the states, pretty much, except for Oregon. So, like, <laughs> I don't see why not. But at the same time, I wouldn't want people to just lose their jobs yeah. from that. So I think, uh, yeah, because people I don't, I don't know to, to to be honest if we should I haven't looked at like what's the economic impact of people losing their like gas pumping jobs. Like is it actually more beneficial for like is New Jersey and Oregon actually doing something right? Is it more beneficial to have this from an economic standpoint than it is uh to not? I I, I don't know. It's a great question. I think having it keeps jobs and I think having it saves people because People are so distracted now. They're already crashing their cars left and right because they're not paying attention. I don't want the so those same people who can't put their phone down and pay attention and, you know, abide by common laws to then be able to use a gas pump and sprinkle gas and like smoke their cigarettes. And I don't know. It's it's New Jersey. So I think, I don't know, maybe I'm not giving us enough credit. I don't think people would light themselves on fire, but I think it's a nice practice even. Former Governor Chris Christie says it said it was like almost like a status symbol. Like New Jerseyans like it because it's, you know, a signature thing and it's a little bit of like a a perk, you know, of being a New Jersey resident. I don't know. People yeah, are I don't know. People aren't lighting know. themselves on fire in Pennsylvania. You know, I haven't let myself on fire whenever I was in Pennsylvania or a different state that does self-serve. Me neither. But, I feel like, frankly, most people don't, like, I know I don't, like, I don't think about it when I go to pump the gas, right? Like, when I go uh, up there, it's just, it's part of the transaction of getting gas in New Jersey. It's, it's, I think most people don't, like, think of it as a perk or anything. You just, when you go to another state, all of a sudden you're like, oh, yeah, I pump my own gas. Like, that's what happens to me. Like, I don't feel yeah. like... Go like, oh wow, man! You know, back in New Jersey, I wouldn't have to degrade myself by pumping my own. Like that never, the thought never occurred to me. It's just like, oh yeah, like they don't do that here. And then I just, 
do that. Can like do in, like in Ohio, you can have like drive-through liquor stores where they'll just like cool. you go up and you like ask each of the tell them what booze they want and they put it in your uh, trunk. I like, do want to say there was one weird stuff in different states. There was one time when I went to a gas station. It was like I was visiting a friend who lived in like Northwest Pennsylvania, and I went to the gas tank and I got really confused about when I was supposed to scan my card because it like it almost felt like I was paying for the person who was ahead of me. You know what I mean? It had their amount yeah, that, that they paid, and I was, that you have to time. you have to swipe. To like make the transaction go through and work so that you get the gas and i was like i don't know i didn't check my statement after work so i was like i don't have time for this i need to go i'm in freaking east bumble pennsylvania i need to go well west bumble um need to get out of here and yeah i don't know if i paid for my tank or someone else's tank yeah I have, i've had that happen to me before <laughs> definitely i'm like wait do I, do I put the card in now or not like that's just the that's just like the different it's, it's like going to a different country, just different customs, but like in, it's le- less so. It's like in, in between the states. So like, I don't know. I don't think I have a hard stance on it. I, I think it's strange if like Sweeney to be like, oh, we're never going to do this. Or like Christy to be like, oh, you know, it has some kind of status symbol thing. Like, I just, I think it's just part of the particular historic development of like New Jersey. <laughs> and it's just, yeah, it's just like a quirk. It's not like, I don't think it's that yeah. deeply rooted in New Jersey's identity. Like if it, if, if it was removed, like after a year, no one would like complain or notice anything different. Is yeah, and there I would don't... just be memes about it. That's it. Like... <laughs> For like a year, and then it would die off. Yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting, but it's something yeah. that Murphy might be questioned on or might put an executive order because it is putting those people at risk, uh, the gas station attendants at risk because they are having a transaction with people, but there could be other, you know, regulations put in place to limit, you know, just make sure that your local residents are attend- like going to your gas tank and that way you at least try to contact Trace in a, in a time. Um, but they're also saying that there's a low demand because there's not enough people, not enough people, but less people going to fill their tanks because they're not traveling as much. So who knows? The Keep an eye on your politicians, ladies and gentlemen. Um, don't let them take our gas away. <laughs> don't let them take our gas away. Exactly. But that's about it. That wraps up our episode today, Mike. I, th- I thought it was a good episode. I, yeah. I always do, but this one was uh, a little more cheerful than, than usual. <laughs> Uh, I think I think coronavirus is so broken us that we can just like laugh again. Exactly. So um, uh, we do need a plug. We do need to plug our new website. Plug the new website, Casey. <laughs> our new website is JerseyMattersPodcast.com. There you get our episode content. Where I'm hoping we'll put together a blog where we post our segments in the future. So we do all this research into these topics and we tell you about them. But to make the information more accessible and like give you helpful links of where we got this information or any kind of uh, websites we're citing, we can just put it all there. And we have an About Us page where you can learn a little bit more about your hosts, me and Mike, and a contact page. And also we have a Patreon and a Patreon link is on our website. So if you like what you hear, don't like what you hear, but are a fan of supporting small businesses, during the time of Corona, you can donate whatever you'd like as much as, you know, you feel might be nice for our podcast to 
thrive in this time of economic hardship. And then also on the website, you can have a direct link to our Instagram page and our Twitter, but our Instagram handle is Jersey Matters Podcast. And our Twitter account is Jersey underscore matters. And right now we're trying to get into as many fights with New Jersey 101.5. Please rate <laughs> us and review on uh, iTunes and leave us a decent review. So that way we can beat uh, NJ 101.5. The goal is to not just beat them in uh, <laughs> every Twitter war, but it's also to uh, beat them at everything. Yes. So thank you everybody for listening. Signing off. Uh, I'm yes. Casey McLean. <laughs> uh, uh, signing off on Mike. Bye. <laughs>